Welcome to Park Community Church of Norwood Park. We exist to know God and make him known on the northwest side of Chicago. Join us at Tav High School every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We're glad you're listening in, and we hope that this message encourages you. Good morning, friends. I'm glad you're here with us this morning celebrating Easter, and I know that it's on a screen, but just because it's on a screen doesn't mean that it can't be meaningful and doesn't mean that Jesus really didn't resurrect from the dead. It means that we have a great hope, and if there's any time that we need to hear of this hope, it's now. So this is what I want us to do. On Easter, it's typical that you hear a call and response, and I want to try this, okay? Now, no, really, I want us to try this. So what, I, what I'm going to say is, he is risen, and then what you will say, he is risen indeed, all right? Now, now, parents, do this as an example of your children. Let them get excited with you, okay? Because you're doing it for their benefit. Now, now, if you're not doing it with your family, if you're doing it alone, make sure your neighbors can hear you, okay? So I'm going to say, he is risen, and you guys will repeat, he is risen indeed, all right? Let's give it a try. He is risen! Oh, I know you can do better than that. He is risen. He is risen. Absolutely. And that's what we came to celebrate. That the Son of God, who was put in the grave on Friday, is now up and alive on Sunday. And so that's what we get to celebrate today. All right, so here we are doing this through YouTube. And what I want for us to do is get used to it a little bit, okay? There's a comment section we're doing this live, and so what this means is that you will be able to comment as we're watching this together. And so let's just get used to that really quick. Why don't you just drop a little bit about where you're watching this from. Maybe drop maybe this favorite drink that you're drinking, okay? Maybe you could put something like that on there. Because we want to make sure that we're able to see that we're actually doing this interactively together, that we're celebrating the Easter Sunday together. All right, so go ahead and do that. You know, as I've been thinking about this, we have been used to interruptions. This is a big interruption in our life. I mean, all the plans that we had. It's an interruption when we see our friends that are feeling sick. It's an interruption when we start seeing the stats and how the stats keep growing. These are major interruptions in our life. But it made me think that it's not the first time an interruption has happened. In fact, one of those huge, big, mega interruptions was the last time that Jesus entered into Jerusalem. See, if we're looking at the calendar, it'd be like a week ago, Jesus was entering into Jerusalem and, and the story unfolds and it was just one big interruption all the way up until his death. And when all the leaders thought that they had actually made a, a way of, of being victorious over what, what was happening in Jesus' life, as they were celebrating their greatest moment, Jesus came forward. And that's why we celebrate in Easter, because he came alive again. That's a huge interruption. Think of it this way. If you're one of the disciples, all of a sudden, you went through one of the hardest seasons of your life. And now... Jesus is alive and he's next to you. That's huge. That's a major interruption, friends. That's a major, major interruption. We have interruptions in our life, but I would dare say that none as great as the interruption of the resurrection. So I want to read for us, starting in Luke, Luke chapter 24. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and get them, open them up. If you don't have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and pause this, go grab a Bible, and then you're able to follow along with me in your Bible. But for those of you that might not have a Bible with you, we're going to put it on the screen because we want to make sure that you're able to read, all right? So here we go. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 36, and it says this. 
And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself? Touch me and see me. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were disbelieving for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus is it written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is a passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. Let me go ahead and pray for us. God, I pray that even as we spend some time this morning marveling at the resurrection, marveling at the joy that comes when we see that Jesus was not left in the grave, but that Jesus came back to life that his heart started to pump again, that he was able to walk, that he was able to talk, that he started going and visiting various people. God, thank you that we can celebrate the resurrection this morning. Father, I pray in anticipation that this will be an excellent morning for us and for those that we love. Oh, Father, I pray that our eyes would be open to these truths and that your will would be done. And it's in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ who is alive. Amen. Amen. Having been inside for days, uh, distancing themselves, and, and actually really wondering about the threats that were outside, not sure what the future was going to hold, anxious because of the news, uneasy and unsure of what that meant for them. The disciples, like all of us, were waiting for the nightmare to be over. They hadn't considered the impossible was possible with Jesus. And what we learn is that Jesus shows up in our scariest moments. Jesus shows up in our scariest moments. And so what I want to do for us this morning, friends, is I want to look at what Jesus gave to his disciples. He gave them two encouragements, and these are encouragements that are also for us. See, Jesus stirred our courage to be able to face today and to be able to face tomorrow. He gave them an encouragement. And there's two encouragements that we're going to look at. All right, the first encouragement that we see is the encouragement of his presence. His presence. So I want to catch you guys up on the story a little bit. See, at this point, the, Jesus had shown himself to the woman in the morning when they went to the grave. 
Jesus started going, they started going to attend to his body. And when they got there, they saw the stone rolled away and yet his body was gone. He was nowhere to be found. And then they had an interaction with Jesus and they ended up running and telling the disciples and the disciples didn't quite believe at that time. Well, it seems like the disciples ended up going back and kind of hiding for some time. See, in John chapter 20, it actually says that the disciples were behind a locked door. And this is what's happening in this part of the story. They're behind a locked door, but there's two other men, not part of the 11 disciples, but still followers of Jesus, who were walking back home. And it's called the two who were walking back onto the, to Emmaus. And Jesus shows up to them. And as he shows up to them, he asks them about what's happening in the city. And they start to say, are you the only one that doesn't know what's happening here? And he says, well, what is it? And they say, well, there's this man. And you go through the whole story, but they put him to death. But some have said that he actually came back to life. And at this point, Jesus takes it on himself to start to explain to them all the things that were supposed to happen. And they get to their destination, and it acts like Jesus is about to keep on going. But they say, no, no, come on, come on, stay with us. It's already dark. Why don't you stay with us? And so he says, all right. So he, he sits down with them, and as he's sitting there, he starts to open up. And this is what Luke chapter 24 says in verse 30 and 31. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. See, this is where we find ourselves. And then the disciples, these two that were there in Emmaus, they get up, they realize it was Jesus, and, and they hightail it seven miles back to Jerusalem. And now remember, it was dark, so they were taking on a risk, but, but no risk is too great when it has to do with the resurrected Jesus. And so they go back to Jerusalem, and they get there, and it's about this time when they're telling the disciples what had happened. And this is where we find ourselves in the story because the disciples are talking amongst themselves about what's happened. They're just as confused. And then all of a sudden, they hear these words. Peace to you. Peace to you. Now, this is more than just a greeting. See, Jesus enters in, is now standing among them, and it says, peace to you. He's giving an announcement of his presence. He's saying, I'm here Turn around, look at me, I'm, I'm here with you guys. So, so one of the encouragements that he gives them is his presence. And in these simple words, peace to you, more than a greeting, he announces that he's there. See, you don't have to see someone to know that it's them. When you know some well enough, you know the cadence, you know the tone of their voice, you know who it is. And they turned but those words also offered something else. It offered what they had been desiring all along. It offered them peace. He said, peace to you. See, nothing had been peaceful about the, about the last week of their lives. Nothing had been peaceful about that. I mean, they were walking with Jesus and their leader just got beat up and was actually put on a, on a cross and crucified. Nothing had been peaceful about the anguish that they'd passed over the last days. Nothing was peaceful about it. And all of a sudden, in this moment, those words, peace to you, felt so far from the truth. And given their reaction, they needed to hear this because they started running in fear. They didn't know what was going on. It says that they thought that they'd seen a ghost. But they needed to hear these words, and we need to hear these words. Especially when they're not just aspirational, 
but they're actual. See, so often we can talk to each other and we say, peace be, be, peace be to you or peace upon you or, or walk in peace or go in peace or whatever you want to say, but a lot of times those words are aspirational. It's basically saying, I hope that you have a peaceful moment. But here Jesus is giving something that's actual, something that's true, and only Jesus is the one that can bring this actual, true peace to you. When you say them, when he says them, he means them. See, in John 14, verse 27, he says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world can't give. So don't be troubled or afraid. See, that's the kind of peace that Jesus is offering. This is the kind of peace that Jesus is giving, a peace that is completely different than any peace that you could even imagine having. Oh, they needed these words and we need these words today as well. And then Jesus asks him this question, why are you troubled in verse 38? Why are you troubled? And I go, oh, come on, Jesus. Just like the time that we saw you were in the boat with your disciples and you asked them, why are you afraid? Isn't it obvious? I mean, they just saw their leader that was crucified and they're wondering if they're out searching for them right now. They're wondering if the Roman guards and if the Jewish leaders are actually looking for them. And so they are scared stiff and you're asking, why are we afraid? Not only that, but now it looks like we have seen a ghost. That's why we're afraid. Can't you tell, Jesus, that that's why we're afraid in this moment? Why are you troubled? See, I'm sure a thousand thoughts went through their mind. It's almost as if right now we're to ask you, why are you troubled? We could start the list. You could start asking, okay, where do you want me to start? I can give you the list of my troubles right now. But I believe the second question that Jesus asks is actually starts to get more to the point of what Jesus is saying to them. He says, why do you doubts arise in your heart? See, Jesus takes it to the next level. Jesus isn't just happy with seeing their facade or seeing that they're scared. He actually takes it and says, what's happening is that your hearts are what's trembling. Your hearts are what have started to doubt to begin with. So he takes them to this place, to the heart in this moment, but he also takes it back to the first time that they'd heard. See, when the woman had come and they'd spoken to them in Luke chapter 24, the very beginning, in verse 11, this is how the disciples respond. See, so often we think that we are the, some of the first skeptics, but here we go. This is where we actually see the first skeptics themselves. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. See, so many of us are stuck in this place. We think it's just this idle tale. I mean, seriously, somebody coming back to life? The disciples asked that same question. And honestly, each of us should be asking that question. Really? A man came back to life after being confirmed dead? Yes, a man came back to life and his name is Jesus Christ. And the disciples didn't obey. But Jesus then invites them to see, to touch, he invites them to feed him. I mean, after all, spirits don't eat food. So he says, my physical presence is a comfort to you. You should come and see who I am and see that I'm actually here with you. 
It says in verse 41 that they were overcome with joy. They couldn't believe that this was true. They were trying to see who this Jesus really was and that Jesus was actually with them. So Jesus gives them the encouragement of his presence, but he also gives them the encouragement of his words. And that's the second part that we get to see. He gives them the encouragement of his words. See, in verse 44, he says, these are my words that I spoke to you. Remember the words that we've spoken for the last three years of walking together? These are the words that I spoke to you. It says in verse 45 that he opened their minds to comprehend. He opened their minds and all the pieces of what is happening. Here, see, the human mind can comprehend 275 words per minute. That means that on average, if you're reading a 200-page book, it should only take you a little bit over three hours to read that book. See, there's a lot of information we're able to get, but it doesn't mean that we totally understand what it is that we're reading. Our minds might be capturing them, but it takes some time to process, takes some time to actually get them. And this is what Jesus does with the disciples. He opens their minds. And I don't know about you, friends, but many times I'll be going into God's word and, and I'm just reading words. I don't fully understand. I think this season and this time has really done this to us. We might be reading something and it's like we can't quite comprehend because we have this weight on us. It's difficult, but friends, let me invite us to spend time in God's word and to ask that our eyes would be opened, that our eyes would be opened to the beauty of who Jesus is, that our eyes would be opened when we're reading the Old Testament, that our eyes would be opened when we're reading the letters that Paul wrote, that our eyes would be opened to understand things that we never thought had really could be understood. See, this is, this is the idea around this, and this is what I want to encourage you to do in this time. And I want you to practice this. Pray before reading. Spend some time in prayer and ask that your eyes would be opened. Then spend some time reading. Just sit there and read. Give yourself space to understand. Help yourself like, to, to connect the dots between the scriptures. Give yourself the full context of stories. Don't just jump in midway. It's like picking up a book and starting in chapter three instead of starting in chapter one. Give yourself the context of what's happening. And then when you do understand, give God the glory for how he opened your eyes so that you would get it. So it says that God opened up, that Jesus opened up their eyes to understand the scripture. Friends, would we open up our eyes and understand the scripture as well? Right, the second thing is that he says, and it's in verse 47, that there's a repentance and forgiveness of sins that's going to be proclaimed in his name. Oh, our scariest moment is when we realize what our sin does. That's our scariest moment. We can look at all the things happening around us and we say, we have never lived through a moment like this globally before. And you're right. But the scariest moment in our lives is when we actually realize what our sin does. See, Jesus shows up in that scary moment. See, because our sin separates us from God. See, Jesus shows up in that moment because it puts us at odds with God. See, Jesus shows up in that moment because we are opposite to what God wants. We're on the wrong team, if you want to put it that way. 
There is a great distance between us and God, and we can't cross over on our own. But Jesus shows up at that moment. See, no matter how good we think we are, or no matter how capable of good we think we are able to do, Jesus shows up in that moment because there's not enough good we can do. See, we are broken morally. It doesn't mean that we're as bad as we could be, but it means that we're still broken And we make wrong decisions all the time. We desire things that should not be desired. And not only do we desire them, but we pursue them. And as we pursue them, we see that these things start to take us over. Oh, friends, Jesus shows up in that moment in our lives. Jesus shows up in the scariest moment of your life when you realize what it is that you've done and that you have no way, absolutely no way to make it right with God. But Jesus shows up. But Jesus shows up. But Jesus shows up. And all he asks is that we repent. Repent literally means to stop trusting what it is that you're trusting. To stop going one way and to turn around and go the other way. It's almost as if I decided that I wanted to go to the store and I knew that my store was to the left of me. But yet when I get up, I go to the right of me. And then halfway down, I realize I'm going the wrong way, and I literally do a 180 and go the opposite direction. That's what repentance means. It means that I have trusted things in my life to try to make it right with God. I have trusted things that maybe it's my hard work, or maybe that it's kind, kind, or maybe it's my family. We start to trust these things, and yet that's not how we find ourselves right with God. Because Jesus already came down and Jesus paid the price. Our debt is way too big. There is no way for us to pay this debt. But Jesus shows up and Jesus pays the debt for us. That is a story of Easter. That's why we celebrate. That's why Easter is such a big deal. And that's why we go from here today knowing that we have a Savior that showed up in our hardest, most difficult moments in our lives. And he gives us peace. Let me pray with us. Dear Father, oh, would we know your peace? Would we feel your peace? Would we live in that peace nonstop? God, I pray that you would settle our hearts even in the midst of what's happening around us, in the midst of a very broken world. God, I know that I don't fully understand the scope of what's happening, but I know that you do. I know that I don't fully understand the grief of families at this moment, but I know you do. God, I don't fully understand how my sin has caused such a great distinction or such a great brokenness between you and I, but I know that you do that you showed up, that your grace is enough, that your mercy is enough, that your touch is enough. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Now, dear friends, maybe some of you have already leaned into this peace and you know what this means, but there's some of you who haven't leaned into this peace. There's some of you that have never even considered Christ before. Or maybe you've considered him, but it seems so far away. Let me ask you to prepare your hearts. 
Let me ask you to put away all the distractions, all the various things that could steal away the attention of this moment in your life. And I want to ask you, do you have the hope that the resurrected Jesus gives you? Do you have that repentance? Do you have that forgiveness of your sin? And if your answer is no, why don't you follow with me in this prayer? And I really want you to pray this prayer. And if you pray this prayer, you could either like write it down in the comments or you can just reach out to the person that invited you to watch this video with you. This is the prayer that I want you to pray. Repeat after me, Jesus, I know that I don't have the solution to the problem of my own sin, that I am overwhelmed, that there's way too much, that it's way too big. And yet I know that you have the answer to my sin that if you can rise from the dead, you can forgive my sin. So would you forgive my sin? Would you give me a new life? Would you give me a new purpose? Would you help me to grow and would you open my eyes to see the truth of your word? And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, my Lord, my Savior, amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, please, please make a comment. Please, please reach out to the friend that invited you because this is new life and he's going to give you hope to be able to face today, to be able to face tomorrow because you have a greater hope that can't be shook by the circumstances around us. I pray that this is your greatest Easter and that at this Easter time you would be able to celebrate what God has done in your life. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We'd love to see you join us in person. You can find more information at parkcommunity.church slash Norwood Park.